0: if someone points a gun at, like i remember that feeling as a kid like being told it's like a bible verse when jesus says like if you i don't know yes. deny the father then i'll deny you whatever so you're like oh if you're that's like, your last minute i feel like do you believe in jesus christ as your lord and savior and you're like oh no and yes. then they and then, then you have to like live with that and you're like i'm probably going to hell you either just no. get shot in the fucking forehead or you go to yes. hell for all eternity. <laughs>
1: Okay, I need I need that line that that Sam just said to be like the the intro to this whole podcast, like, and the fucking board. <laughs>
0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I am Sam. And I'm Casey. And uh, right before we hit record, we kind of started arguing about uh, how and why Casey bailed on me when we were looking for a off-campus apartment when we were in college together.
2: I don't remember this at all. <laughs> and. I- We didn't really argue. You just like started hurling accusations. Yeah, well, I could see where
0: this was going. So we hit record (laughs) and decided to get into it in real time. So, okay, what happened was, from my memory, it's funny, this kind of reminds me of the episode we did with Jesse, where him and I can't recall how we met. No, I can recall how we met, and this is my podcast, so I can reassert myself and my dominance over him, and that I am 100% correct in the way that we met. And he is wrong. So that's fine. Uh, But with us, so we shared, we were on the dorm together. We didn't share a dorm room. Uh, There is going to be an episode coming out uh, in a couple weeks, a few weeks, uh, where I I do some joking and quick reminiscing about my college roommate situation. But uh, Casey was just like down the hall from me. And I, every once in a while, my like roommates would, my college roommates would go out of town. Uh, actually, not every once in a while, every single weekend, they would go back home. So when people got sick of their roommates or were just wanting something a little bit quieter and low key, or their roommates were out of town, people would just then default to my room because it was empty. <laughs> they could just not have to be involved in shenanigans if they didn't want to. But my college roommates, I I only just remembered their names this week because I've been just like racking my brain for it. I don't remember their last name, so you won't be able to really look them up. Uh, I've been trying to find them on Facebook and I can't, Uh, but Bill and Brian, they were identical twins and they dressed the same every fucking day in
2: college. They were, uh, they were different. Like, I've never never seen anything quite like that any other place. And it's like one of those stories that when you tell people they think you're exaggerating or that you're making a big deal out of something that probably wasn't like as bad as you're saying it was. Yeah. But these two were, they were very different. Did you ever talk to them? Did you ever hear them speak? I never, no. I never heard them speak once.
0: Yeah. I only heard, this is, this is the, this is the shit that was really creepy. It was like. They never spoke when I was in the room with them. Never. I'm convinced they had like some sort of instant messenger thing going on there. I honestly think probably it was just telepathic transmission, (laughs) but they (laughs) never spoke when I was in the room. So uh, there was a couple of times where I'd be coming back to my dorm room and I'd stop and I'd wait outside the door and I would hear them talking. I'd wait a little bit. It it was hard to really hear. It was pretty soundproof. The storms weren't bad for soundproofing. And then I opened the door. The second the door opened, they would stop talking. And then I would like open the door and they would just both be turned and looking at me from their desks.
2: <laughs> they just stop talking, silence. turn in unison and just stare at you in silence like Skyrim NPCs.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh and uh my other oh god the other thing that really stuck with me is they both this is i people don't i look it's fine if you don't believe me people don't have to believe me it's the fucking truth they both slept on their backs with their arms crossed over their chest every night like vampires like fucking vampires <laughs> Their covers came up perfectly up to like, they're just like just below their chest. Their hands were always peeking up over them and they were just flat on their backs. It was fucking weird.
2: Dude, I could see them like turning the lights off and then in unison being like, now I lay me down to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And uh, so they would,
0: you know, they would wake up every morning. The, who they didn't have the same class together, but they wanted they were they were in they were being they were in school to become teachers. Teachers, they didn't talk, but they wanted to teach. So I don't know how that's going to work out. But the first one up would lay out the clothes for the other, so that way they could wear the same thing. And then when they walked to class, if you ever saw them walking around campus, it wasn't side by side. It was like the fucking what's the Beatles album where they're all in a line walking. It's like oh, it they was, walked one in front of the other? One in front of the other. They never walked together. It was always one directly behind the other.
2: Dude, it just makes me like all signs point towards oh, dear, them boot. being like like aliens wearing some sort of like human suit that they skinned <laughs> off of someone like like Earl and men in black or whatever. was.
0: <laughs> that's what it, that's really what it felt like. I mean, the way the dorms are set up, I don't know if I've, how many other dorms are set up like this, but if you like walk in, right, you look on the left and you look on the right. On the left side is my bed and it's that loft. So it's like against the left wall lofted with my desk underneath it. In the dead center of the dorm room was their desks facing each other. And Then to the right was their bunk beds. So bottom bunk, top bunk. Because I had the lofted bed, every morning I would get out of bed and I would just like sit up, scoop my butt to the edge of the bed, and then just kind of do a little. It was a quick, I mean, it's not lofted that high, right? So it was just a quick little like push. And it was probably like 18 inches from my feet to their desk. So I would just push off, get my toes on the end of their desk, and then. Just start my day. That's how I got out of bed every morning. And there was one morning where one of them had already gone to class and the desk that I jumped on, the one adjacent to it, was where one of my I don't know which roommate sat at which desk. I didn't I never knew the how difference could you ever between tell? Bill Bill. Yeah. I didn't know the difference between <laughs> Bill and Brian. But I so he's sitting there eating his breakfast, a bowl of cereal. What? I'm surprised it wasn't like cream of wheat or something fucking blandy ass like that, but I uh jump off, and just my toes, just the tips of my toes hit the desk, and I so like i I slip, I fall, and I land face like chest and face first down on the desk that's the desks are pushed together, so one of them's sitting there eating breakfast, and I just flat on my fucking face on the desk, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> other people outside of my dorm room heard it and asked me what happened my roommate didn't look up from his bowl of goddamn cereal to ask if i was
2: okay he was just like sitting there hoping you were dead his (laughs) his, his cornflakes just like thank god the outsider's gone
0: yeah exactly It, it didn't take a breath. I'm pretty sure I looked over and he's just like slurping his milk. Just
2: <laughs> there was. A, yeah, that was a that was by far like the most bizarre uh, people on the on the floor. And there were some like characters in that dorm for sure. Oh, yeah. Do you remember uh, Jay Reed? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. Jay Reed was, he was a great dude. He was really nice. He was just strange. And uh, he was a rapper. And so he would, he would like constantly be trying to like put together these rap songs. And he was actually going and recording them someplace in Lynchburg. And, you know, I was the singer in this metal band. And so we get to talking and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> this was un- This was uncomfortable. So he says, uh, he goes, Hey man, I was wondering, uh, you know, I'm putting together this song called scars and uh, I want you to, I want you to j- do your thing on it. I'm like, you want me to like scream on your, your rap song? And he's like, yeah, yeah, man, I want you to, I want you to come in and like, you know, you do uh, some like background effects and stuff and maybe a verse on, on, on the song. And I was like, I mean, that's, sure, you know, I'd I, I do that. That sounds cool. And uh, little did I know, we were getting, like, way ahead of the crunk core trend.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, man, a lot of people tried moving into that territory. It was Dude, like the... We um, me
2: and J Reed could have been, like, the, the original... Part. Yeah, we could have been, like, the original Blood on the Dance Floor or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> By far the most uh, horrendous genre, too. Can we, like and, that. Neon, hot topic, like oh, screaming yeah. rap.
0: Ugh. And uh... why did he call the song "Scars"? So I don't,
2: I don't know what happened to him. Yeah, I never got the like the story on it. Nobody he was did. Like, he was like very. He didn't really like string together sentences. Like he, you got one sentence out of him per topic, and then he's on to the next thing. You know, but he would like, sometimes he'd have his shirt off and he was covered in like scars yes. all over. All like, it, I don't know what happened to him if they were surgical or if it was from like an accident or what, but he was coding. yeah
0: I know we, it was always, no one wanted to ask. I don't see in hindsight, it was like really dumb to not ask. Cause he probably would have been like, how the fuck isn't anybody asking me about what happened to me? Like we're
2: all just like, like Deadpool from the neck down. Nobody says <laughs> a thing.
0: we just like uh, looking at it. He's like, just look him in the eyes. Don't ask him. About it. It's like he, if all I know is if my body was covered in scar, I, I broke my arm when I was 13 and I have a scar in my arm and forever. I just wanted people to be like, well, what happened to your arm? Because who doesn't want to talk about themselves tell about their accidents?
2: It's like your second sentence after after meeting someone is, I bet you're wondering about my arm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't see it. It's like you really,
0: I mean, it was, but I did every time for after it happened, like shortly, especially like the couple of years, it was like, yeah, probably a good two or three years after it, if I was like wearing a t-shirt, anytime people was like, whoa, why you got that scar in your arm? I'm like, let me tell you a story. Like, it was interesting. <laughs> like I was the only kid in the, the history of the world who broke his arm. It was a cool break, but it was like, just that was, that, that made me feel special. But people like to talk about, well, I shouldn't say everyone likes to talk about that stuff, but he obviously had a level of comfort with it because he would just walk around the dorm without a shirt on like everybody else. He was a
2: competent guy for sure. I fucked. He might have. I think uh, so, like the the song that he was doing, it was like a beat that he had bought from this guy in town. And it was a sampling of, uh, at the time, I remember like every hip hop song was like a sample of something else. It was like you take a popular song or an old song.
0: That, That was like a, you know. How it started kind of thing. <laughs> to like at yeah, time. It,
2: it seemed like at the mo like at that point in time, like everything was a sample of another a song from a different genre. Yeah. This one was uh I don't remember who sings that song uh We Were Meant to Live? Mm, I don't remember. We were meant to live for so, so much, much more. more. That was was that Switchfoot? I think it was Switchfoot.
0: You keep talking, I'm gonna Google.
2: Okay. So it was a sampling of that song and uh he wanted me to just scream scars a bunch of times so <laughs> it like it fun. made no sense in that context like it really didn't like play into the song at all it was just awkward and weird it's like this kind of like real chill rap beat him doing his awkward rapping and then me just in the background like scars <laughs> <laughs> and to record it he had this guy in town that he and i think he had bought the beat from the guy but the guy sold him the beats and then he would charge J reed to come and you know record his raps and stuff and so we went to like you know kind of a rough neighborhood if i remember right and hung out in this guy's house and there was a bunch of people there and it was like the dude had a contempt for J reed like oh did he really Oh, he did not like him. You could tell he was like this was a this was just a money making venture for him because he was like one take. Yeah, it's good. Get out of here. Oh. You know, thinking, like it was so awkward. And the guy was really nice to me. Like he talked my leg off, and uh, I don't know. It was, but yeah, I remember like the song like, coming Do out. Want, afterwards. Does your band
0: want to come record here? Do you think you guys want to record with me?
2: Yes, our band wants to come record in your in your uh, laundry room. <laughs> it was just a microphone on top of his washer dryer combo (laughs) but uh yeah Jay reed was uh he was proud of it he
0: played it a bunch oh i remember hearing it and uh i am going to look for that i think we need i I need to find it if there's any way we can post that
2: it has i've looked for it i've looked for it before I I have not been able to find it. All right. Well, we're going to have to go through
0: all our old college contacts until we get to Jay Reed and find it. You know he still has it all on like an
2: iPod shuffle. (laughs) I'm sure. I'll bet he does. Yeah. No, that was a crazy dorm. Like, uh, there was a lot of crazy stuff that went on in there. And our RAs were just chill about it. Yeah.
0: I mean, it was... God, I that was like so. Anyway, we talked when we were. I was talking about getting, um, getting off campus. It was after that experience of just living with the the twins. In <laughs> <And> twins, <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot about the. Was it the? Was it Coors? No. What? What beer had the twins? I have no idea. What? All right. Fuck it. Moving on. <laughs> So after that experience, it was like a nightmare. Usually you couldn't move off campus until you had, you know, I think you had to be like a a junior or a certain age or some shit. And I was like, I sent an email to whoever could authorize it. I, forget, I don't even remember who it was, but I was like, look, I was miserable this entire year. These are my roommates. They weren't fun. They made me uncomfortable. I don't have anyone to live with next year on the dorms. I am not gambling on terrible ass roommates again. I'll just leave. And they were like, okay, you can just move off. Don't tell anybody that we gave like that. You're an exception or whatever. Like, of course, like how do you not tell people you're moving off the dorm? Um, So then, but you wanted to move off the dorm and we were just talking about it. Like we had started looking for places and then it was like, Right. It was, it had, it was at that time that you said you were moving it. Am I getting my timeline
2: wrong? You must be. Cause I moved off like the middle of my junior year. I did the, the, the fall semester oh, in the circle. No, that's and what, then I moved in
0: with uh, Tito and that's what it was. I was okay. Now. Okay. You just brought it back. I was trying to move off halfway through the year is what it was. And you and I started looking for places, and I was gonna like I was going to try to get off campus, and then you were like, "Yeah, sorry, I uh, I'm moving in with with Tito," because I forgot that that was in the middle of the year.
2: I don't remember any of this. That's weird. <laughs> you sure you weren't talking to the twins? Yeah, I was trying to get a place
0: off campus with the twins. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember, man? We could kind have of room together, and you were just like,
2: "Nah." I would have been all then, for
0: it. That's when Jesse lived with you guys. And then it was after that, after I moved off campus is when I ended up living with Jesse.
2: Yeah, it must've been. Yeah.
0: I I actually forgot you moved off in the middle of the year though.
2: Yeah. Well, both of my roommates left. Um, they both, they both left the school altogether. And so, I was kind of stuck. Like they put me in with like two just random dudes. They were nice guys, but uh, you know, that's when I got the offer to move off with Tito, but yeah, I don't know. The rest was history. It was a-
0: an awesome experience being a fifth wheel or whatever the fuck it was in that
2: place. And then <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like when you're, when you're at school, like the dorm is so much fun until you start to decide that you would have more fun off campus like well,
0: i think a lot of that at liberty had to do with the fact that they had like a 10 p.m curfew on weekdays and you couldn't like your girlfriend couldn't hang out with you in your dorm. like there were so many dumb fucking rules at liberty that like you, even though you had a lot of fun on the dorms like you couldn't You couldn't just like live your life. So it was like you just decided you needed to like everyone felt like they had to move off.
2: It's so strange to have like kids that are finally like, you know, to the age of adulthood, they're leaving the house for the first time. And like, for some reason, you think the best thing for them would be to impose a bunch of rules that are stricter than the rules that they had at home. Oh, yeah. You know, in a lot of cases. I know. Along with some of them being just stupid, like like not
3: being know, years to watch rated sideburns R are movies. too long. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I got turned in on rated R movies. Oh yeah, I did. I can't I, remember if I paid told that story before,
0: but somebody ratted this out. I had um, gone to Walmart to Redbox and I rented a movie. It was, I mean, I rented a rated R movie, and then the guy behind me, after I rented it, was like, I turned around, he's like, "Hey, man," I was like fuck hey and he's like hey we have a class together right i was like i'm not sure he's like i, I think we do it's like you're in my uh some bible class i was like oh yeah yeah maybe and he was like yeah i'm pretty sure you are it's like you're you're in this class i was like yeah yeah i'm yeah i guess i am in that class and he's like oh well i'm an ra and uh you just rented an R-rated movie. So, are you if, kidding me? Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's so dumb. He's like, he's like, I won't I won't write you up if you just, you know, you just
2: give me the movie and I'll return it for you and I, I won't write you up. Give me the movie because I, you know, I can't trust you to put this back because I told you to. Yeah. Well, where is where is that guy now? Like, what is that guy doing? He left the school and the, <laughs> and the framework that he thrived in, because obviously, like, like telling other dudes what to do got him all boned up
0: oh yeah so so i'm like all right dude i gave it to him he returned it i went in my car i waited for him to leave and then i went back in and rented the same fucking movie because it was only a dollar like of course dude you didn't save (laughs) the fucking world
2: (laughs) i just don't know like maybe some people mature out of that mindset I think the rest of them must be like I envision that guy being like the court urgent psychiatrist and uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's insane because like you don't have to do that. Like nobody's going to recognize him recognizing me and then doing nothing about it and then tell somebody else. Nobody Uh, fucking cares.
2: He knows though. You exactly, know? and he and couldn't like, live with conscience. He can't live with that sin in his life. He's like he was entrusted with a responsibility.
3: Yeah,
2: and you know what? Hey, look, I'm with you, man. I don't agree with all these rules here, but uh, the rules fact of rules. the matter is, is that we signed a contract. We signed a moral code, and uh, you know, I'm just not in a place where I can disregard that commitment. Just like Jerry Jr., man. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that guy is now uh, one of those dentists that pulls kids' teeth out for no reason.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember afterwards, though, seeing him around campus, and he always tried to talk to me. Like, it's like he felt bad and wanted to make sure we were cool. He's like, hey, how's it going, man? I'm like, it's fine. It's like, so you been, yeah, you've been good. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's like, then you just leave. And he's like, every single time I saw him, he would try to spark a conversation. It's like, look, dude, you made me return a 99 cent radar movie that I just re-rented five seconds after you walked away. Like, this, I don't care about you. I don't, need to, I don't need to have a conversation with you. Dude, he just I, wanted to witness to you so bad. You need so to bad. be cool. Yeah, it's like, it's weird that you need to be cool with me that bad. I was desperate, dude. I was desperate in college for people to like me and to be cool with me. And I was never that bad.
2: Dude, he was trying to groom you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> groom me to come join his dorm, probably. He's
2: like, S- someday you'll thank me for this, Samuel.
0: No, he's like, I'm going to be an RD someday. And I think I want you to be one of my RAs. <laughs> That's grooming him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I just... Yeah. I feel like there's there's certain times, you know, everybody has bad days and everybody does things that afterwards they regret. But once in a while, somebody would do something like, have you ever had someone that you liked lose their temper at you like way too much? And from then on, like, you just can't really not see them that way. Oh, my
0: God. that there
2: There, there was yeah. a kid on the dorm that did that. And like. I really liked him. But after this, like he threw a fit over something that was so benign, (laughs) like screamed at me, like dressed me down in the dorm. And, uh, it was so ridiculous. Like from that point forward, I never really hung out with him much after that because I just felt like, Oh yeah, you, you showed your cards. Like that's, that's the guy that you are. Like, I don't, I just can't really be cool with you after that
0: i have a much more ridiculously childish version of that story and (laughs) i had this friend named ian when i went to christian school i was in first first in second grade i would have said he was my best friend because i didn't know what friends were at that time in my life and i would go over his house and he was the kind of kid that you would play street fighter or like mortal Kombat at his house like um, But he was always an asshole Always so fucking mean to me And made me feel like shit all the time uh, And I would leave I'm like why? I don't know why I'm friends with him but then he would be nice to me in school And then ask if I wanted to come over and hang out And then I'd come over And then he'd be like Just make fun of me And that made me feel bad But also like no one else was asking me to go over to their house So I was like yeah He's my best friend And then this is the the last time I ever saw him. Probably, it would have been, I think it might have been after I was, like, done going to school. So maybe third grade. You remember those, like, white poppers? Like, you would, they came in a box, and you would just, like, they, like, you'd throw them on the ground, and they'd, like, snap.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: And, like, you were used to, like, put them between your fingers, and you would snap your fingers and make them go off between them. Uh-huh. uh those were scary to me because I was a baby. So <laughs> he had a box of them and he was like showing me like, oh yeah, just do it. And then he'd like, snap his finger, and like go off. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I can't, I'm scared. I'm not doing it. And he was like, you're a baby. And I was like, ah, I just don't want to do it. And then he started throwing them at me. And I'm like, like, Ugh. you know, when someone points a rubber band at your face and you just cower and you can't help yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would just do that. I'm like oh, oh, like cowering, shivering, looking away from him and he's just like he's just like dance monkey, dance like jokingly. Like he probably thought he was being funny and I was just being a, the biggest fucking puss on the planet. And <laughs> so a combination of me being wildly sensitive and him being a dick made me after that never talk to him again. Until it was like I was, I had to have been 13 or 12, uh, maybe 12. Uh, but it was, I only know it cause this is, this is when I lived on Cape Cod and it was before we moved. I, I, you know, I was at a doctor's appointment and I came home and my brother was like, Ian came over. He, he, he lived close enough where he was like, Ian came over, like rode his bike over and like asked if you still lived here. And, um, like I, I guess he wanted like hang out and I was like oh and then I never I never reached out like, that was it that was the last time I, I was like he's probably wondering why I never talked to him again maybe he felt like shit about that like that whole thing probably not because I think he might have been a sociopath in some way but <laughs> <laughs> that's a so anyway he showed his cards that day and he lost a friend
2: yeah, sometimes you just got to close the books on a person. <laughs> just don't need you around, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, boy. So our guest this week um, is a friend of a friend that I got to talking to through social media. And she had been a part of an organization that I would never heard of. She started telling me a little bit about it. I watched a couple of videos and I was like, oh man, yeah, we, we got to hear about this. So she's got a really interesting story and experienced some, some very strange things, but uh, you know, just has like a really great outlook on it. And yeah. I, I always, I, I love hearing from people who had, bad experiences or weird experiences or 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 could justify being really angry and bitter but they choose to like find the good things about it you know not brush over the bad not excuse what was done that was wrong or was you know in in improper or whatever but just you know come to grips with the fact that like ah, this is These are people that are making these decisions. Maybe they thought they were doing the right thing. Either way, this was the parts of this that I enjoyed and thought were good experiences. So um, I think you're really going to enjoy Bianca's story. And we had a lot of fun talking to her.
0: Yeah. So, if you, you know, talk to, we're we're having Bianca on now. You know, a little while ago we had on Jenna, who had another wild story. Honestly, if you have, I, I don't know, can't promise it will come to anything. Don't want to make any empty promises. But if you have crazy stories, send them to us. If anything, it'd be super fun to read some of them if you have like a good narrative behind it. Like just shoot us an email, gucpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us some weird shit. And, you know, we might read it at the top of the episode. Um, maybe we'll have you on to talk about it. Who knows? It, but
2: yeah, if you were in a call. Yeah. I want to hear about it, okay? <laughs> if you were in the FLDS or the People's Temple, nobody that listens to this was in the People's Temple. But, <laughs> uh, you know, the the Family International, you name it. If you were in a cult of some sort or something people describe as a cult, reach out to me because I would be fascinated to hear from you.
0: <laughs> yeah. And lastly, please, uh, if you can, if you can spare a few moments of your time, Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or again, I think that's the only one that takes reviews. But just leave us a review, say something nice, get some uh, get some more stars up in there, some more five star reviews, and hopefully uh, we can keep this uh, keep this thing going.
2: Do all that stuff for us, please, and thank you. And enjoy our conversation with Bianca. And we're back with friend of a friend and new friend to me, Bianca. How's you doing, Bianca?
1: Oh, so good. Howdy, y'all.
2: So one of my best friends is, uh, uh, we have a mutual friend in him. And through, uh, you know, Grapevine interactions, we kind of got to talking and uh, you told me a little bit about your story and it, it sounds incredible. So we were really excited to talk to you.
1: Yeah. So have you, have either of you guys heard of master's commission? Like, is this, is this a thing that people know about or?
0: I have zero familiarity
1: with it. It was a brand
0: new string of words for me.
1: Okay. So it was sold as like in my youth group, it was sold as this like really cool after high school, instead of going to college. Cause I was going to go to Liberty actually. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about going to a few places and I was like, Oh, what what do I want to do? And, you know, the the youth group, my youth pastor at the time, I was super involved in youth group. He was like, oh, have you heard of master's commission? It's this like intense discipleship program and you go on mission trips and you do this thing. And it was this like they did like routines, like play routines. And they did like stomp. Do you remember stomp when that was a big thing, like with trash can lids? <laughs> yeah. Like, that, like, like they came in and, and did rooms. that. Oh, yeah. And it was like, cool. It's like, I want to be those people.
0: Did they and, have a um, notable founder?
1: Yeah. So, well, it's, sort of. There's kind of some, there's some discrepancy with that, but so Phoenix, so Phoenix first assembly of God, I think is, and it's assemblies of God kind of thing. Um, But they're the ones who like kind of started it. And then, um, yeah. So uh, uh, what's his name? Lloyd, Floyd? I don't, I don't remember his name.
3: Mm.
1: Anyways, but we would do this annual trip to Phoenix. And like, that was like the Mecca, like every master's commission came down, once a year to Phoenix and did like a voyage to there anyways. um, But yeah, it was sold as this like really cool, intense disciples thing where you'd go on mission trips and you'd like minister to people and all this stuff. And so naturally I was like, yeah, we get to go travel and we get to go do fun stuff. Yeah, I want to, you know, yeah, I want to do that. So, um, so yeah, it was, that's, that's how it was kind of sold to our youth group. And then I had a friend who was going, so I was like, yeah, I'm down, I'm down to go
2: is it, it so Lloyd and Chris Ziegler?
1: Ziegler. That yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Ziegler. Lloyd Ziegler. Yeah, yeah. They Those started names it, and, don't I, sound familiar. and I think they were kind of so the masters commission program that I went to had just been taken over by somebody new, but the person before me was really intense, like militant intense. And I think he was more um from, from what I've gathered from people who were like the class before me, it was like really intense, really traumatic, all that kind of thing, which they're looking back now, I'm like, we did some really weird stuff. Like, we might have been zip tied one time, we might have been, you know, taken to in a van, <laughs> uh, and we didn't know what we were doing. We might have been forced to stay up all night. And it's very like cult like. Like a lot of people like look at Master's Commission, they're like, oh, it's a cult. And it's like, no, it's not. But I could see where people think that. But now being That's like, what people say when they're in looking...
0: cult. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, no, it does no, have no. some this definitely like cult, cult, cult tendencies for sure, for sure, for sure. So um, it's like sure. someone
2: explaining to you that they're. Uh... MSM isn't a pyramid scheme.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, it's no, like it's the exactly inverted like funnel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, every, and when I hear people talk about it, I'll say this: when I hear people talk about master's commission, because a lot of people have had bad experiences. And you know, it's kind of like anything. Like you don't hear about good experiences; you hear about bad experiences. You know, from restaurants and things like that. You know, so I feel like a lot of people talk about it. It's a bad experience for me. it, it was looking back now, I see the bad, I see the good. I see where they were trying to figure things out. I see what they were trying to do. Uh, Was it all great? No, but I'm kind of level-headed enough to like see through that, you know, whereas some people I think were, they had bad experiences and rightly so.
0: So what they were trying to do was it was like a, so you mentioned it's kind of like a missions thing it was that was like yeah. what was the uh what was like their
1: mission statement what was the intent of this program i think i want to say it was to know god and make him known which that just rolled off so i think okay. that was it yeah and it's so, like um it's know, ingrained like, in part of you it. was <laughs> it's like it uh,
0: was but is it when you like activate somebody, the US government, you just <laughs> no, trigger it? Like, it's like
1: trigger, trigger.
0: the Manchurian <laughs> Canada.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what just happened. So to know God and make him know. No. Like when I went to Master Commission, I was like, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to like do this thing. And then it was sold as too. You could get um your like a Berean Bible. So it was affiliated with the Assemblies of God. So you could be like a pastor in two years. No, so it was so you could get your like Bible degree or Berean, I think is what it was called. Um, But you can get your like pastor certificate in two years. So some people just went just so that they could like get their pastoral certificate. And then they could move on to like bigger and better things like become a pastor and go through the assemblies of God and things like that. So which are you guys familiar with the assemblies of God at all?
0: Yeah. Uh, I am only vaguely familiar. I knew people who were part of it. I it's it, is that um that one's like somewhat Pentecostally, right? Very is it like very, charismatic and shit? Yeah, the,
1: the biggest Pentecostal charismatic, like yes group denomination there is. Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
2: Well, well, so okay, so let's let's put a pin in in uh Masters Commission for just a second. Can you kind of walk us through growing up?
1: So I grew up super. Christian. So my mom was part of the like Jesus movement. So when I was born, she became a Christian. It was like a whole—you need to go off and do this discipleship thing. So her and my aunt like did a whole thing. Went to um, um—I can't remember the name of it, but it was like somewhere where you go off to, and like get discipleship and stuff. So she did that. So I grew up like literally sleeping in her church pews, going to youth group, like doing the whole the whole shebang um, every day, every night of the week. Well, my whole life, but every day of the week we were at church, we were at church and we were like doing a thing and, um, yeah. And I, and we grew up in like a super Pentecostal, like people screaming down the aisles kind of church. And, um, is that where you learn to do backflips? Yeah, that's where I learned to do (laughs) backflips. No, y'all. Okay. Real story one time, (laughs) um, whether y'all want to share this or not, it's just funny. And I just thought of it. So we're at church one time and I'm like nine years old and we had just gone to this new church. And my mom, she is a character to say the least, but she, um, she's at this church and she's like singing in the worship band, which was, you know, a thing she's like singing in the worship band and she had this like feeling and this like word from the Lord. Right. So she's like, I need to give this word from the Lord. And it was about being transparent and honesty. Well, at that time when, and still today she wears wigs, like, you know, like wigs on your head. So she's giving this like word from the Lord. And she's like, I just really feel like the church needs to be honest and the church needs to be authentic. And she was like, we need to come before the Lord like this. And she gets her wig. This is like, she's on the stage. She takes it off. Right. So you know how people look when they don't have wigs on. And like that, that's my mom. She's just like, no wig, matted hair. And she was like, and everybody's like, anyways, that is my mother. That is what what I grew up with. And that is like, sums up, um, yeah like christianity as a child for me it was like but yeah
2: intense what what part of the country
1: uh in texas so i'm born and raised in texas so and i lived in the bible belt which was like northeast texas like it was a dry county you can't buy liquor um yeah it was ever there's a church on every corner it's just like what you did
0: it seems like
2: uh oh i'm sorry go ahead No,
0: did you have with your dad? Involved in the church too is did you have what's that no, dynamic? okay. So
1: that that was like a constant thing in my childhood would was so I, I moved away from my dad and it was always like we're praying for your dad because he needs Jesus kind of thing, you know. Um, which eventually he actually did find Jesus, and so that's been really good for him, you know, to each his own. Um, but yeah, so no, my mom like kind of took me away and we kind of did our own thing with my aunt. And then um, yeah, so
3: okay.
2: It seems like that whole Jesus movement thing, like it, it was it, like started in California.
3: Yes. And that's then what, yeah,
2: like a lot of the extreme groups that were involved in that, because that's a, that's a real mixed bag. Plenty of normal, decent stuff came out of that. And then there was the others, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> and a lot of them went through Texas. Like, uh, oh man, there's so many, so many like, uh, Children of God went through Texas, um, whichever one. Uh, the, the, the unnecessary tangent, but serial killer was <laughs> Henry Cary Lee Lucas. There.
1: Oh, there. oh, Henry yeah. Lee Lucas. We talk about him all the time at work. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. yeah it, totally. But no, yeah. So my aunt was a part of that California Jesus movement. So then she, of course, called my mom in Texas and was like, you need to come do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, and this was... 1980, you know, four or five. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a big deal. So I definitely grew up Christian, you know, I was, I, but, but I, but my mom was a single parent. So it was like, you know, we always looked to the church, like we were always at the church helping or getting free stuff from the church. Cause we didn't have very much money or like we would help in there. um, there was this, we had this building at the church that was like for the people in need. And so we were always helping there to like give people in need, but then we would like low key take some groceries at the end, you know? So, um, we were definitely like that family.
2: Well, I feel like if you're that family that invests back into the church, then that's kind of like the point of those programs. I feel like it's, yeah. it's like you invest in the church, your time and your work and your effort and sweat And in return, like the church helps out with your basic needs. I mean, that's, that's like the kind of stuff where I feel like churches are at their best is when they're, it's a community that's taking care of its own.
1: Yeah. And I, and I agree. And that's why, like, I don't have any, I'm not somebody who's like, oh, I hate the church or I hate what it's doing. Or I think every organization, every big organization, any organization gets things wrong. And I'm human. I get a lot of things wrong, and so, yeah. Do we get a lot of things wrong? Absolutely. But do we get a lot of things right? And do we care for people? And do we love people? And do we do this? Then yeah, I think I think we get that right a lot of times too. So I think you got to eat the meat, spit out the bones a lot of times.
2: So, church was very important to you on a personal level too. Then whole childhood.
1: Yeah. So I, um, that is where all my social circle was at, like middle school uh that is it was like church you know group and other church groups and um yeah so that's how I found out about master's commission was through my youth group and that was I am very like social if y'all haven't noticed and so it's like wherever that social circle was like I was gonna be so if it was all at church then that's what we're doing that's what we're doing if it's motorcycles or whatever
0: Did you, what kind of like, what was your school situation uh, being social and having such a social tight, like social circle within the church? Was that, um, did you have like your public school thing and then the church, and then you had to kind of pick between two worlds if that even, even occurred to you?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in public school in San Antonio, which is a huge city, San Antonio, Texas. And then when I was nine, I moved to a very small town, Bible Belt, Northeast Texas, And that was my mom. um, Well, my aunt was like, "Oh, you should put her in private school." And so, of course, my mom being like, "Yeah, we should do that." So they put me in this Christian private school, and uh, that was interesting because I was like in this very northeast Texas, very white, very suburban area, and I was like literally the only like Latin person in the entire school. And so that in itself was like its own, own experience. And we were like the, like, so to pay for this tuition, my mom was like, Oh, well I'll clean the church. So it had a lot of stigma on it. It was like, Oh, we're like the cleaning people for the church. And we went here and you know, like there was just like kind of all that weirdness. So, and everybody that had gone to that school had gone to that school since they were like kindergarten. So and I came in at like fifth grade, so it was like, oh hey, I'm the new person, and I'm like not white, and this is weird, and I don't even know, you know. So, um, but I I went there from fifth grade to eighth grade, and then in ninth grade, I was like, I got to go back to public school. So I convinced my mom to put me back in public school, and that that was another fiasco because then I realized that that's that was just the culture of the area that we lived in, like this northeast oh. Texas. Like, it wasn't just the church. It was just the culture. So I went to that school and I didn't fit in anywhere. Like, I was like, well, the white people don't like me and the Mexicans don't like me. And this is awkward. I don't know what to do. Take me out of here. So, <laughs> like a bunch um, of
2: Texarkana mouth yes, breathers.
1: That's exactly what it is. Yes. If you've been to Texarkana, <laughs> yes, that's exactly, Casey, what it is. You guys
2: like, have a great serial killer. <laughs> uh, yes. The, uh, it was I before our saying. time. Yeah, Never caught.
1: Um, I don't remember his name, but yeah, no, it's very backwoods, very, yeah. Country bumpkin. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what that was like. So then when I found youth group, it was like, oh, I found people like I found people that actually like accept me and my youth pastor was really awesome. So of course I got really engaged just because these people I could like jive with and it was fun and it was somewhere where I could like be myself kind of. So for me, youth group was like the, the shit because it yeah. was like, I had people, you know? So,
0: so the, worst I mean, with the culture ever. being super Christian, like when you said you started going to public school and the culture was, it was just, that was the culture. I, I imagine it was a pretty just religious, like at least pseudo religious culture. Like it yeah. was like shifting from Christian school to public school. Everyone's still like Probably involved in a church in some way or.
1: Yeah, it was really the same. It was, it's funny how everyone's Christian. Everyone doesn't matter if you're smoking pot. doesn't matter if you're doing Coke in the bathroom. Doesn't matter if you're what you're doing. Everyone's Christian and it and goes to church on Sunday. Like not just says they're Christian, but they're going to be there. And that was, that was the culture. You could get drunk on Saturday. You could do whatever you want, but then on Sunday you better be at church.
2: I could see Texark like East Texas. I worked in East Texas a bunch over the past like six or seven years here, and uh, I could see that being really challenging to be a person who's who's not white in those environments. Like, yeah, I East Texas, Carthage. You know Carthage.
1: Oh, I know Carthage. So if you know Carthage, <laughs> that's that's Longview, man. That is Carthage. Oh. Just,
2: Carthage is the fir- the last place in my memory banks where I heard aggressive N-word usage.
1: Yeah. Okay that and- <laughs> is that's Longview. Yeah. It
2: was like hair on the back of your neck stand uh we, and we, like- we were doing a cold call. <laughs> so we're there in a work context, you know. We go in to talk yeah. to this, it's two brothers that own this uh this like Jiffy Loop type place. And uh, they weren't from there They were from New York Or or they traveled back and forth from New York Or something But this guy It was bizarre man It was two brothers They were kind of like Kind of like Jersey Shore looking guys Like they look like they really Idolized those dudes Same hair and all that And the one dude was a quote unquote model And in the waiting room of the shop He had a picture of him Shirtless (laughs) Hanging in the waiting oh, room.
1: in and, and his own waiting room. He had a picture of himself. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah.
2: And the guy came down and we're talking to him and stuff. And we're, you know, about all the things that we sell and everything. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, that stuff's never going to work around here because bleep, 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 bleep. And, and we were just yep.
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> where are we? You're like, am I about to get shot? Yeah, it's, it's very much it's very closed minded. It's very much, if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, and nothing changes and nothing moves and everything stays still and stagnant. And anybody who tries to start a new business, it basically fails, um, because nobody likes new, you know? So that is, that is like that small East Texas, um, culture. So yeah, it's great. It's great. (laughs) (laughs)
2: so youth group was that kind of like a sanctuary
1: from that to some extent? Absolutely. And so when my, when my youth pastor was like, Hey, you should, you know, he was, he, they were super awesome. Like my, that youth pastor and youth pastor's wife, like I, I mean, even today I'm like, they were amazing people. They genuinely were like just trying to help kids and genuinely like providing a space to like love on them. And, and that's it. And they were just trying to be like include everybody. I'm like, those are the kind of Christians and those are the kind of people that I'm like, Hey, you're doing it right. You're doing great. Like keep, keep doing that because I just felt like they really did that well. Um, But yeah, they, they were like, Oh, you should go to, you should go here. You should go to master's commission. You should do this. And so I was like, okay, then I should do that. Let me do that. So.
2: So master's commission when they were actively like recruiting, young people, they had like a team or something that went out to youth groups.
1: Yeah. And so then there was like a whole application process. So there, and it's like this extensive application and you have to, and it's, and it, you know, it's kind of like applying for college. You're like applying for this thing. And you're like, am I going to, am I going to get this? Am I going to like be in? Um, so you have to fill out all this stuff and do this thing and, you know, submit it. And then you're like, well, am I going to get accepted? Uh, so you, so I did, and I was like, "Oh, well, I got accepted, so I need to go to this." I later found out that basically everyone gets accepted. <laughs> so
3: <Yeah. laughs> at,
1: that, at, that, at that point, they were just like looking for people to like apply, and then they would they would take them. So, um, which I get, you know, but you, you know, if there's pay an application for this, process. Like college? Yeah, so it was okay. like, uh, so there's no scholarships or anything, and yeah, it's like five grand. Uh, I want to, I think it was five grand. I was trying to think about how much it was. It was either five or six grand because they provided like dorms and housing and that would pay for your food and that would pay for, um, you know, your basic needs. But basically what master's commission like was, they focused on like what you like servant leadership kind of thing. So it was housed at a, ter- a church and so the church had a dorm and so We were kind of like workers for the church. Like, so every afternoon we would like go do church work and we would help with the youth group and we would create their, their props and we would help with this or that or maintenance. Like we would trim hedges and we would garden the garden and we would, and it was kind of like, Hey, this is what servant leadership is. It's It's like a year long
0: domestic missions trip.
1: Yeah, basically. And so that's kind of what we did. And then every morning we would like have to, like our schedule was like get up for prayer in the morning at eight, which I always was like asleep in. And I'm just like trying to stay awake because we had stayed up so late the night before doing whatever task we needed to do. And then it was like the Bible school portion. And then it was like help the church do whatever. And then you were assigned like a thing. So if you were assigned like the missions team or the administrative team or the groundskeeping team or whatever, the youth group team. And you would um, go do these different teams. So like the missions team, you would go call churches and ask if they wanted us to come and do these like skits and plays, like a little like traveling circus kind of thing. We would go to these like churches and do these like performances, like the stomp performance. Like there's a video out on YouTube right now of me like doing, like shaking some trash can lids around.
3: (laughs) I gotta see that.
1: I know, right? (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it was like that. And I think we would, we did that, I think for recruiting and that was kind of like a ministry in a way, sort of,
2: you know, you know who th- like this reminds me of like some of this model is uh, Pensacola Christian college.
1: Oh, we went I don't know. There. If-
2: oh, did you, did they mm-hmm. ever send reps to your school or youth group or anything?
1: So they sent reps to our youth group. And then in our youth group, we went there to Pensacola College. And yeah, absolutely. Like we would do like human. Do you guys know what human videos are? Are you? Do you know this? Oh, you know this? Okay.
2: You mentioned you know? these to no. me <laughs> and I, I looked them up on YouTube and so uncomfortable. Like <laughs> that was yeah. just the okay. most bizarre things ever.
1: So we would go into like high schools. So part of them, like missions team. We would call schools like of all sorts, like not Christian schools, and we'd be like, "Hey, do you want us to like come in and do this thing?" And, and we couldn't, you know, like say God or Jesus or whatever. So instead, we would do like these like human videos, where it would be like this cool song that was like secular, right? But we would do this like <laughs> human video, like Jesus thing, cross to it, and then we'd be like, "Hey, if you want to come hang out with us, we're gonna be over here," and we'd invite them to like this address, which would be like our youth group at a church and be like, Hey, come hang with us. And it was our way of like ministering or whatever to, to like secular people, you know, trying to like win the lost, as you always are doing when you're a Christian, you know? And so, um, yeah, so that would be like a thing we did when we like went on mission.
2: It's kind of like interpretive dance It is set to a a modern song.
1: It is. And uh, yeah, and I mean, actually, we did some pretty cool ones. So there's a few times because we're we're always trying to be like edgy, right? So we, you know, do I can't remember what song it was, but it was like a secular song, but we like did a whole dance routine to it. And so like people saw us and they're like, Oh, they're cool. Like, I want to be them. I want to go find out about them. So we were like, kind of always on the edge of like, trying to be cool. So you could kind of come be like us. But really, we were Christians. So like that, bam bam you know surprise <laughs> that's very <Pretty>. jesus
2: movement <laughs> yeah. it's like have it a is. traveling hippie band yeah. that uh performs at the beach and then you sucker people into coming
1: and back you to suck, the yeah you sucker people. you're like hey
2: this is what i do <laughs> did you ever have
0: uh like the people who came did you ever have people who had no affiliation with a christian background or like a christian culture be like I'm really interested in this or was it very much like people who had an understanding of it that were kind of like took that as an opportunity to like really just jump
1: in. I think as far as like when we went to youth groups and stuff, is that what you're asking?
0: Well, you said you went to like some school, did you go to schools schools. and stuff too? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We went to schools too. So that's what I'm asking. So at schools people would come like when we would do a thing and be like, Hey, come to this thing. They would, they would come, and then they would be like, oh, this is like a church thing. Cool. This is cool. But here here's the downfall about that, is that then we were gone the next week. So then yeah. we were – like the cool kids were gone, and then it was like, hey, bye, have fun with you this. You
0: didn't just kidnap group. all the ones who were interested?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but we should have. So <laughs> let me tell you guys about my kidnapping story, actually. So <laughs> I – so one morning I, we're sitting in like prayer. So every prayer, every every morning we had prayer at like 8am. So we're sitting in prayer, you know, I'm half asleep because i never stayed awake. And so all of a sudden some people come into the church because we're in the church praying. They come in with masks on, they come in with guns, they come in with everything. Yeah. This is like a real, like we don't know what? any different, right? No, this is really a thing. They come in, they kidnap us, they blindfold us, they zip tie our hands and they put us in a van. And we don't know any, like, we don't know what's going on. And I mean, it's serious in all of in all of our world, because we're like, what? We always talk about the persecuted church, right? That's a thing. But we've never like experienced this. And so we're like in this van, I vividly remember, we're zip tied, hands are zip tied, like blindfolds, and like a few people are crying. I'm just like sitting there observing it. But a few people are like, like crying. And then we hear like somebody getting hit, somebody getting beat. We're like, okay this is intense like what <laughs> what's going on yeah this is this has really happened so oh my god so we we then get to this like outside area we walk in a field we have guns pointed at our backs like we're just like what is what is happening and and it's very real and um then they're like you know, then they start talking about like Do you love Jesus? Blah 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 blah. Give up your faith, right? I know, I know, I I know. Sam, Sam, everything at your reaction right now said everything. Yes. So this then to come to find out, the whole thing is just like a like a play to kind of see like how are we going to respond if somebody questions our faith? How are you going to respond if somebody puts you in that predicament? How are you? And it's just like. I don't know if that was
3: the healthiest thing. That is <laughs> yeah.
2: insane. What
0: the it was fuck? intense. That is far from it's like the opposite of healthy. That is so traumatizing and damaging. It and is, also and it, if someone points a gun at you like I remember that feeling as a kid like being told because uh what's it's like a bible verse it's like if like when Jesus says like if you denounce I don't know deny yes. the father then I'll deny you whatever. So you're like always like oh if that's you're your like, last minute feel like it, uh, do you do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you're like, oh, no. And then yes. they and then you have to like live with that and you're like, I'm probably going to hell. You either just no. get shot in the fucking forehead or you go to hell yes. for all of the <laughs>
1: Okay, I need I need that line that that Sam just said to be like the the intro <laughs> to this whole podcast. Like, shot in the fucking <laughs> board,
2: they were like, like churches at that time, and I don't know, maybe they some of them still are, but they were obsessed with this idea that like someone was going to point a gun in your face and 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 command you to like. Uh, uh, deny Jesus in front of... It was like they were obsessed with that Columbine story,
1: they which were. I don't even know mm-hmm. if that's
2: completely factual, the way it was told to us and stuff.
1: Well, and it's I think just too, bizarre. I think there was a big fear, and I don't know where that stems from. I'd be really curious. So in the interview you guys did with Bethany, I don't remember her last name. Um, Slater? Yes, Bethany Slater. That was that was a really good one. Um, I, you know, part listening to that interview which I loved how much it, it made me as a Christian. So I, I'm, I call myself a Christian like today, I would say like, I love and believe in Jesus. Um, it really made me like kind of look at myself and think about a lot of things which I loved. I'm like, I I love that. She's like making me think about so many things. Um, but one, one of the things is like that, like why is the way things are, why was that such a big deal why was it such a big deal for that time in christianity for people to be like if you're going to be persecuted you need to know where you you know how you're going to stand and what like what brought that on that it was I so know. you know like i don't know i want to know Especially- the backstory of that
0: Especially when, uh, you know, Peter denied Jesus three times and still went on to do some good shit. So, like, <laughs>
1: still, still, right? That's I know. True. That's what I'm saying. I'm really banking on that, Sam. So, you get three chances. Shit, so.
0: If you don't, if you do it a fourth time, though, it's just guillotine. Nah, bro.
2: <laughs> you going to hell. <laughs> did you ever read Jesus Freaks?
1: I did. I read Jesus Freak. I listened to DC Talk. I listened to all the things. By the way, I, the. Kiss dating goodbye. Read that book. That was a good interview, by the way. Um, Also, but yeah,
2: man, I that that is like that's one of the craziest story like youth group stories I've ever heard. That's just absolutely nuts. That should be
0: a crime, right? Like that has to actually be an illegal act.
1: Well, oh, yeah. yeah, you well, can't do here, that to but people. But here was the thing. Here was the thing, though. So it was in master's commission. So in master's it was commission, was in the
0: waiver you signed when you. Yeah, signed up? no,
1: it was. It was kind of like whatever they said was the rule. There was no, um, I mean, like we. Okay, so another thing that we did. Let me tell you guys was called House of Fear, which was this like, I'm sure you can guess this very Christian, but you didn't know haunted house. And so, Hell it, yeah, Hell House, very similar. Yeah, so it was like we had people shooting up the place. We had the little girl from what's the girl, the creepy girl, the uh, the ring. Yes, the the ring girl. Was
3: Samara? Yeah, yeah,
1: Samara. <laughs> yeah, we had the ring girl. We had the, we. I mean that we funded this right, so it's all this money we had sold tickets we got lots of poison ivy because we tried to decorate the whole building in ivy and it was all poison. Um, anyways. <laughs> and so, but then, but then towards the end of the, of the, of the house of fear, you know, it's like, Hey, if, what if you died tonight and blah, 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 blah. Like, so that was a whole thing we did. Like it was, yeah. And we stayed up like till four in the morning every night. And then we're up at six in the morning, like doing anything thing. So we are just like, we're machines, it's workhouses. It was intense.
2: Was there an abortion exhibit in your haunted house?
1: There was an abortion exhibit. (laughs) You know, come on, you know, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm trying to remember what that one was. I think it was actually, I think it was a car wreck. No, it was like a car wreck and then an abortion. I don't know. There was lots of scenes. It was actually a pretty decent haunted house. I will say, Um, I was pretty proud of it. But I remember so we would have to, we worked on this every night for months, right? And we would have this time where the director would say that it's like whenever you heard what is the name of that song? The Rocky song. Um, the, dun, 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 eye, dun, the tiger. eye of the Tiger. Thank you. Eye of the Tiger. So whenever Eye of the Tiger came on, you had to run everywhere. There was no like we would be working, but then when Eye of the Tiger came on, you had to run like whatever you were doing it was run and do that do this fast do this fast so we're like getting ready for this you know house of fear and it was like i the tiger would come on every five songs like we learned (laughs) because it was like that's what would keep us awake to like do this thing so we're very much like little workhorses um yeah
0: this is a little bit of a pivot uh oh i love It's it's in just it's a detour. It's in the haunted house theme, though. Do you guys are either of you familiar with the McKay Manor or Macamee or something like that? McKay Macamee.
2: Never heard of it.
0: It's like this guy started this haunted house where he has like a he'll give you like it's like one person goes through at a time. There's like a huge waiting list for it. You have to be 21 up. You sign a waiver, Uh, and if if you if you get through it you will he will give you twenty thousand dollars he's just just like this oh. weird rich guy
2: okay and, i i've i knew i know a little i think about this yeah, like it's, it's way it over the similar. top and
0: yeah oh yeah it's like physically violent like they will actually like harm you uh, uh, to a certain degree Wait, and, what is it called
1: the mc the mcv like what
0: is, is it's it called? it's like mac or something like that mac and me
2: manor
1: my yeah. manner. Okay. I'm yeah. Not,
0: I'm going yeah. to do it. <laughs> but I just like I don't know. Every time I think of haunted houses that's the first thing that comes to my mind because there's like this feeling of I bet I bet I could do that. It's like there's like there's so few people who have like this strong enough will to even even knowing it's fake, uh just the feeling of like even any degree of physical harm. You could just poke me with a stick and I'd think you just got me with a hot poker and I'm about to die. You're like, oh, that's funny.
3: Well,
2: it's like everybody, every youth group, every school group had like over-the-top guy, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. Did you guys have over-the-top guy? Oh, absolutely. Steven, his name was. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Mine's
2: name was Adam. Oh,
1: okay. And he
2: was like... (laughs) I, I, there's... Let's just say he was a couple cards short of a deck, and he hurt someone at every act. Every activity, he would end up with somebody crying because he he like bust them. Like one time we went to uh, there's this thing in Michigan called Domino's Farms, and it was some okay. sort of Domino's Pizza headquarters or something. And their big claim to fame was every year they did this super extravagant Christmas light display that you drove through. And I remember we did a youth group activity there where we drove through and then we were gonna have delicious Domino's pizza that's been sitting there all day. And
3: <laughs> I remember best. we were I was
2: I was in the back of the church van, like some of my buddies and I were back there and and Adam is in like the the next seat up and we're like goofing around and stuff. I, I made fun of him for something. And you know the middle seat always had that long seat buckle with the big mass on the end of it. Yeah. So he takes that and just (laughs) wails me in the head with it. I mean, like, I'm surprised it didn't split my head open. He hit me so hard. Like, just right... I just, he's over the top guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like that guy, like, you definitely know that when he got married, he shoved cake in his bride's hair, for sure. Oh,
1: oh. And, and I, could, I could think of a few more places, but yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure in this, the hair, yeah.
2: The dude that, like, like aggressively dunks people at the uh, pool party. Yeah, to the point where people just, are, like, coughing and choking.
1: Like, I'm drowning. He's like, oh, let's keep going. Yeah, um, that's yeah. Um, well, uh I mean, That's wait. that's
2: the guy I would worry about in the haunted house, though. Like, the, the guy that, like, actually skewers you with a poker or stabs so, you with a key.
1: So funny you say that. So we kind of had an over-the-top guy in the haunted house. We'll just call him Paul. So Paul, <laughs> we were cleaning up some stuff one day, and he thought... He thought, I don't know where he got this idea from, but Casey, you, you probably know, cause I feel like this is a little bit of your business that if you use, if you light diesel fuel on fire, that it will just clean up and it won't burn anything. It just, it just like evaporates, but that's, that's not the case that's not the case at all no. that's not that's not the case that's why you're giving me these looks it's because that's it's not the, the case.
3: opposite of that it's,
1: it's the opposite it's the opposite yep that's the right answer so he like put diesel all over and then he lit it on fire because he thought that somehow it would like just evaporate and go away and it didn't it, it caused a fire. That was, that's over the top guy. That was. That
2: did, did anybody get hurt?
1: No, we, <laughs> we like immediately. Cause it was like, wow. We were like doing like setting up. So I was like, no, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? Like, and yeah, we immediately put it out. So, but yeah. So. Burned
2: the, the ceiling carpet in the church van.
1: Yeah, he was like, No, I thought this would clean up. Somebody told me it like evaporates right up and it's like, ah, that's not how that works. Um, but yeah. So wait, did you did you guys I don't remember? So in Liberty, um Sam, did you go to Liberty too? No.
3: Yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: you did. Both of y'all did. So so in Masters Commission, like you could not um be in the same room with the opposite sex or sit with the opposite sex alone yeah no anything you couldn't do anything you had to be in like groups if you were going to be in the opposite sex but even then if you like like we could not date the opposite sex our whole first year in master's commission like that's not allowed you're not allowed what character is a a group like more than six people
0: more than six
1: so you'd have to have
0: just you got to rule out threesomes foursomes fivesomes (laughs) You know. <laughs> well, dude, three and couples can get
1: together
3: out of orgies, thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, unfortunately, that never happened. You know, I didn't think about that till now. Hmm. But, um, but yeah. So, wait, you guys could like date people, because y'all were like ring before spring, right? Is that what the the yeah, that's what you were trying to do? Trying to like yeah. block them, block yeah, them. Heavy
2: emphasis up? on finding it. It was like it was at the same time. It was like don't date anyone because you should focus on God. And on the other hand, like uh, you should just, you should get married, marry someone,
1: marry someone like do now. it now, Mar- marry someone yeah. when you're 19, when you don't know I, shit. Yes.
0: I think we all had those friends that sabotaged decent relationships because they were, went too far that one night and thought they needed to break up and focus. Yes. On oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yes. And you're like, oh my gosh, I sinned. I made out too much and I'm a sinful person. Now I'm shameful about it. And now I need to break up with you because we have um, we've crossed the line. Like this is not, not honoring God. Absolutely. I know. I think about like the guilt and the shame, so much shame (laughs) I feel like was a part of that world. Um, okay. So fast forward, I got kicked out of Bible school, um, out of master's commission because yeah, juicy, right?
0: You were in the so, same room as a guy accidentally.
1: You both walked into like a
0: Seven Eleven, and there was you guys and yeah. the cashier, and it was over. You guys, <laughs>
1: it's over. That sounds like a bad. Oh no, don't make that reference, Bianca. Nope, stop. Okay, bring it back. Um, that would be too dirty. Um, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> Let's see
0: where you're going to take this.
1: I was going to make a two girls, one cup reference, which I know Casey, you can take off this whole thing. So that's fine. (laughs) Oh no, this is gold. We'll keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. So, um, so it's after my second year, which means like a second year, you could date people second year. You could do whatever you want. I didn't date anybody, but, um, and So after my second year, me and a friend, who I will not mention, it's like the summer, it's right before our third year. So Master's Commission was one of those things where it was kind of framed as a two-year program, but then once you got in it, you realized there was a third year, and they were like the elders, then there was staff, and that was like holy water. And then you could be like on staff, and that was like really cool, the bread and butter. And so once you got in, you're like, oh, well, maybe I want to stay. So we're trying to go for our third year. Well, we went out and my, my cousin at the time owned a bunch of um, clubs on in Austin on 6th Street, which is pretty famous, like Bar Street. So anyways, we go out, we get carried away. So we're staying at the dorm. So we come both in like drunk, like bad, throwing up in the elevator, drunk. And so one of the staff members finds us in the elevator, like puking on ourselves and she, and so then the next day it's like, oh crap, we like got drunk. This is not allowed. This is definitely not allowed. Right. And so it was this weird come to Jesus moment the next day. Cause then the director's sitting with me and he's like, Hey, you're, you are not going to be allowed back to master's commission. Like I'm kicking you out. And I remember sitting there, we were like in his car. I don't know why we're in his car, but we're in his car.
0: (laughs) I hope this doesn't take a dark turn. No, it doesn't. Yeah, seriously.
1: No, no, no. No, no, no. Cool, (laughs) dude. Cool, dude. Doesn't take a dark turn. We're in his car and I'm sitting there and I remember being like, "Is is this a joke? Like, is this because I had fixated so much on like, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. This is God's call, right? So I'm sure you guys have heard of God's call, right? On your life. And so I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. And then all of a sudden it was like gone in a second because I got drunk one night. That is is crazy. Is that real life? So, um, so then after that, it was very like, Oh, well, this is done. And so it was like, it was, it was kind of, it took me a couple of years to kind of get over that. Um, It was really sad. But then what sucks about it is my friend who got drunk with me, she didn't get kicked out. I was so mad. Why? Because she confessed and I didn't. <laughs> Is that crazy
0: you thought or? maybe you could get away with yeah. that. Yeah. I wasn't drunk. I ate like, some bad
1: seafood. Bring
2: in the Masters yeah. Commission uh, you know, uh, forensic team and if you can prove it's so? my puke
1: <laughs> I was like uh I'm just not gonna say anything and act like this didn't happen. Oops. And then she like, I guess the next day confessed and told them like, hey, we went out, blah, 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 blah. Um, which back then I went by a different name. So nobody's ever gonna recognize me. So which is great.
0: Liberty loved either. the uh <laughs> loves encouraging people to narc on each other. Like that was their mo. They if they yeah. knew two people at a party, they'd bring you in separate. And do the whole yeah, like, yeah, I mean, there's like a good cop, bad cop kind of deal, and
3: like
1: that's exactly that's exactly good cop, bad. That's exactly what happened. And when I went in, like, cause I, cause the director talked to me first, I was like, uh, I don't know, I <laughs> just played dumb uh, the whole time. And yeah, I guess and she, she and went I in, told just, him, she went in oh. and felt guilty and said everything. And I was like, uh, yeah, I think we went out. You know, like trying to be cool. <laughs> you just didn't
3: show enough.
2: <laughs> there was just not enough self-loathing there to uh keep you in the program. Pro-
1: probably, yeah. And so, um I w- I will say this though. The directors at the time thinking thinking back now like I was 18, 19, 20. I was 8, 9, 18, 19. And they were they were only 3 years older than me, which means they were like 23, 24. Do you guys know how y'all don't know shit at 23 and 24? Can you guys think of what your 23, 24 year old selves look like? Um, yep.
2: I still believed a lot of this stuff.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so if that says right? anything. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like, you didn't know shit. And so I think about them now and I think of, and I, and I have compassion. I'm like, you were literally just trying to figure out this shit. You did not know. And you were trying to lead a group of like 50 people and you did not know. And you were just doing the best you could with what you know. Which is exactly what all of our parents were always trying to do, right? You like you look at your fucked up childhood and you're like, You were literally just trying to do the best you could with what you knew. I get it now. Yeah. I, I get absolutely. it now and I give and I give all the grace.
2: Like, what's the structure like above these guys? Cause these guys are the ones that like they're post third year, right? These these are
1: yes. permanent yeah. staff. Yeah. So there was one uh there was one lady who she had been there with the previous master's commission director who was like militant and crazy. That's the guy that people have like a lot of trauma over. Um, And she kind of was like helping. She was kind of older. She was like 10 years older than the director. And she was kind of helping him because he was like 23, 24. But but their overseers – We're like the church but I don't know how much overseeing happened because like we would really just do whatever the director said like he was the guy who made the rules and so if he said we're going on this trip we're jumping off this bridge like we're doing it like and that's just what we're doing so it was kind of kind of weird in that regard Um, but that was just how it went and you never questioned anything like it was like if he said something, you were never like, oh, well, that kind of sounds odd. No, you just, you went with it because that was the rule. So
2: it was like, what, was, what role did exhaustion play in like keeping everyone in line and compliant and stuff?
1: I would say we were always exhausted. Like literally, cause we would, we, I think Mondays was our day off, I think, um, and then it was yeah because Sundays we worked all day long like it was like because we were setting up church for church for the regular church in the, the church Sabbath had, oh my
3: on God. the Sabbath
1: I know How right
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so on on Sunday we were like setting up for church then doing three services and we served in these services right so you guys know about like serving in church so we did all that stuff and then there was like an afternoon luncheon always either like a men's luncheon or a ladies' luncheon that we were like serving meals at and then we would like do do. Sunday youth group. After that, so Sundays were full, and then Mondays were like our day off, which was like we had barely time to do laundry. Or if like there was always consequences if we were late in the morning, so we'd have to do stuff on Monday, um, like serve more somewhere. And then the rest of the week, it was like all all day events, and we'd have like a masters commission family that we'd go like have dinner with on Thursdays, and there was just something like every night of the week that we always did. Um, so there was really no room to just like, you barely got your laundry done. And then you were like trying to wake up to go to the next thing the next morning. So
2: that's like classic cult tactic.
1: Yeah. And then you had to make sure people
2: hungry, keep them exhausted, keep them busy a hundred percent of the time.
1: Yeah. And then, and then you always had to keep your shit clean. Like you still had to like you, so still to this day, like right now today, like in master's commission, we you always had to wipe the sink down when you, you had to wipe your area down, whatever area you used. Um, and still today, like I wipe the sink down and wipe down everything after I use it. Cause I'm like, okay, now it's clean. Now I can like continue after brushing my teeth just because like, that's what we did. And that's what I did for like three years or two years, I guess. But it just was like something ingrained every day you do. So
2: now like, okay. The, the super militant guy who was in his mm-hmm. early to mid twenties, and it sounds like yeah, like he had a lasting effect on some people. Do you do you remember hearing any of the stories? Like what oh was it that gosh. made him out of control?
1: He was insane. Um I think he was definitely cult cultastic. Oh, can I say can I like can I can I I love that word, cultastic. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was definitely the guy that was militant and made you do this and made you like kind of guided on shame and guilt. And I heard stories of, um, you know, people, you know, babysitting his kids all the time and doing this all the time for their family, kind of like servants for his personal family, so that he Mm -hmm. could like lead the cause and make sure he was serving Jesus and make sure he was like doing this thing. And, And I look at that and I'm like, maybe he was just like skewed and messed up and he really thought he was doing the right thing. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. So that's a flaw of mine. Um, but anyways, but it's like, <laughs> maybe, maybe he was really trying, you know, like, and he was like, they thought, maybe thought he thought he was doing like the will of God, um, in this way, but looking at some of the things like, um, so there's one blog, it's called my cult life. And that's, that's Lisa Kerr. She, she's, she has a lot of stories and a lot of things about, about that previous director that that's that are that are on par and legit and terrible. And, um, yeah, she had a terrible experience. So, wow.
2: Was yeah. there any allegations of abuse against this guy that you've heard or?
1: Uh, a little bit, but more emotional abuse, I would say. Um, but, but, definitely like psychological and emotional abuse. He just he knew how to manipulate and he knew how to do things. But but I'll say that like my my director and and maybe that's why they got a new director cuz the director that I came into, I was like the first year of his his like he wasn't like that. Like he like I'm still I follow him on Instagram today just cuz I'm like, yeah, you I think you were you didn't you were trying to figure it out. You're trying to do the right thing. I think you were following the crowd in some ways and, and the leadership that was given to you. Cause master's commission has like an overseer network also the master's commission international network. And so I think he was just kind of, kind of following on trend what, what they, what he saw them do. Um, yeah. You
2: don't have to run cover for the scumbag.
1: I know, I know, right? You guys, <laughs> you guys. I, I, you guys, that, I was, though. I was so fair-minded, and like, I, I just try to be like, well, he was probably just trying to do the best he could, you know, like.
0: I get it because um, at that age, I was like, I put. I was still in in the. I, I was. I would have had maybe an issue with the type of rules that the, that this masters thing had, and even at, when I was at Liberty, I was like, they go a little too far, but if I was ever in a position of leadership an institution that I believed in, even if I didn't agree with everything that they, all the rules that they had on people, I would have at that point been like, I just, I don't know. My hands are tied. Rules are rules. Like, you know, you're not, what's he going to do? Just leave. I mean, yeah, he could leave the job. Uh, That would be nice if people came to the realization that uh, programs like that are maybe not as effective as they would like to think, but I would have, I could have been like that too. So it's, it's easy for me to be at least a little empathetic towards that. Well,
3: yeah,
2: it's, it's like the RAs at Liberty, you know, it was like, (laughs) there was, there was rules in place, you know, and, and some people are just really, they can't discern, they can't, uh, they can't look at the rules in terms of like a hierarchy. Like, Hey man, Mm -hmm it's like not having your bed made is not the same as like showing up 2 hours late for curfew. Like those are not the same thing. They do not deserve the same level of scrutiny. But some people just can't look at things that way. It's like, well, this is what it says and I have to do what it says yes. and you didn't do what it says.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and especially you have those people that are that are exactly like that where it's like, no, I have to follow the rules. I have to do this and I have to, you know, and if I don't then who am I? You know, I'm going to be this rule follower because that's who I am. So, yeah, absolutely.
2: So, okay, maybe this is a, I don't mean this in a in an ugly way or like in a, I'm not trying to be unfair to, to like what those people do, but like, where's the money at in this thing?
1: Right. That's what, I, so that's what I wonder. Um, I actually thought about this recently. So we each pay um, five or six grand. I don't remember. um, Per year? Per per year. Yeah. And so times um, and some of that's for the Bible course we took. So I think maybe the the fully
2: accredited Bible course you (laughs) took.
1: Let me tell you. Let me tell you guys. Let me confess something. I just took those books to half price books last year.
3: Wow, I was oh, you're just saving them ago. for a rainy day. I
1: was, I was like, well, maybe <laughs> I should keep this.
0: <laughs> you should have sent them to us. We would have perused
3: those. Like, <laughs> oh my fun.
1: gosh! Oh, you know what you guys would love though? I have this book called, um, what is it called? It's literally volume one, volume two, and it's like growing. It's not called growing up Christian. It's called like <laughs> men's. Men's Christianity or something like that. And it's specifically for men. And it's this lesson that's like volume one, volume two, very articulately written, like following the Bible and what does it look like to be a man and be biblical. And anyways, it's interesting. I don't know why I have it, but I've kept it for you. For whatever. <laughs> um, I just think it's interesting. Um
2: Henceforth but, and furthermore, your penis yes. is... A curse.
1: Yes, and you should never touch it. You should absolutely never touch your penis. <laughs> no. So, wait, I got sidetracked. What were we talking about? Uh,
3: you hawking
0: your
1: books. Okay, money. You were talking about money. I got it. I'm on it. I yeah. want it want it. How much did so, the
0: director get paid? That's what we want to know. How much did he get paid very, to kick you out?
1: I don't think very much. That's because, okay, so they lived in like a church house. So... And I mean, recently those, the church just sold that house and the Austin market's really good. So I think they sold it for like a million dollars, but back then it was not that much. <laughs>
2: the, um, the ministry's no longer worth it. <laughs>
1: yeah, the ministry is definitely not worth it. That master's commission program does not exist in Austin, Texas anymore because it was not worth it because it wasn't bringing any money, I don't think. So, you know, we we're paying five or six grand, but it's like, we're also the church little slaves. Like we would, we would help with. Um, every men's luncheon, every women's luncheon, every, so the, the, the church that we were at was a pretty big church that would feed the church staff every day. So we would like help clean up, help prep that help. Like we literally were like lunch team and every day there was a different team where we'd go down an hour before and like help make all the food for lunch for all the church staff and then we'd go help them in their different tasks like whether it was that, was that finance accounting whatever like we were like the helpers in that. So I feel like we paid for this thing but we were also having to work for this thing. So
2: Right. I'd say that's like a classic model for that sort of thing. It's, you know, yeah. we we can run the church basically at at no cost and charge the people that were having do all the work.
1: Yeah, and, and then maybe, you know, whatever maybe,
2: offerings you bring in are just you know,
0: above and beyond that cheddar.
1: Yeah, that cheddar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know because you're working, I mean, you're, I mean, and it's you could see it from the flip side of like being a, a younger person getting into it, thinking like this is a good training program. I, I'm sure it wasn't accredited, but you know, you're it's like a, if it's a two year program and Five or six grand a year. I mean, five or six grand a year for room and to, to have a place to live and eat is, uh, you know, you spend more than five or six grand a year on that normally. So like it, you could-
1: it, Yeah. And I think, so Sam, it was accredited, just so you know. No way. It was, it was accredited through the Assemblies of God. So you got an Assemblies of God, like at the end of there two years, you could be an Assemblies of God pastor.
3: So, so it's not you a
1: could be, You could be talking to an assembly as a God pastor right now. I'm just saying. I,
2: I, I will I, consider I didn't, I didn't you my pastor from here forward.
1: <laughs> I didn't do that. After the two years, I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, Dude,
2: that's kind of like uh, Pensacola was similar though. I mean, you know, they similar. operated as a college, but like it was pretty low tuition. You lived on campus, you worked on campus, like you had to pitch in and do things around the school and stuff. Very similar. And uh, when you were done, you got a degree from an institution that was not accredited and was worth nothing.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. And that was, I guess, the difference with like at least you got like an Assemblies of God accreditation.
2: They were like, that's why it's cheap. It's a it's it's reasonably priced because it's worthless. (laughs) Yeah. Pensacola that that
0: is. It forces people to stay within the denomination. Casey,
1: did you ever go to the like Pensacola Revival? Do you did you did you go to that? Do you know what that is?
2: No. I've I've only like just heard stories about how weird Pensacola was on campus.
1: So so I went at the height of like the Pensacola Revival, which is like a huge Pentecostal movement thing you know, people slaying in the spirit kind of thing. And I don't know how, you know, how much you guys know about like the Pentecostal movement, but. I um, I know
0: about being slain in the spirit. Just Do you? I mean, not
2: personally. It's never happened to me. Is Uh, is that where Benny Hinn hits you with his sport coat? You
1: fall over
0: and shake. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's it.
1: Yeah. So it was, so in 2000, uh I was in youth group then, so I was like in ninth or tenth grade we um, our youth group took a trip to the Pensacola like revival to kind of go see what it's about and this was our like missions trip or I don't know what it was um, but we went there to kind of experience God that's what it was to go experience God and um yeah, it was intense it was which we had kind of the church we were part of had that element to it um but going there it was like element times fifty, you know like it was like which, you know, it's it's like with anything, I'll say this. So you go to like some metal concert, Casey, <clears throat> and you jump in and what is it, like a mosh pit and everybody's getting crazy and some good con- song comes on and everybody gets real crazy, right? It's the same thing. It's like people get moved by things. And so I think part of it is one thing, but part of it's just like, yeah, this song is playing and yeah, this thing is doing. So yeah, we're going to get like into it and we're going to like fall in the spirit and like feel this thing, you know? So I think, I think it can happen secular or religious. Like it just doesn't matter.
2: Yeah. That's, there's actually some interesting stuff out there on, on, uh, people having like these like spiritual yeah sort of experience, you know, it's, the group setting, it's the music, it's just a lot of things play into it. And people have this, you know, strange, transcendental sort of feeling out of it.
1: No, I agree. And that's with that's with anything, like, when you have a group of people, religious or not, um, you're going to have these like intense experiences with like, especially with music involved, like music is such a like, heightened thing. So I don't sometimes I think about how people talk about the church and I think about how they'll be like, Oh, why do they like lift their hands and do a thing? I'm like, you do the same thing at concerts. You do the same thing at fucking, um, Kanye. Like you, you do the same things. So why are you viewing yeah. it in a different lens? Like,
0: cause the music isn't as good. That's why. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I agree with that, but it's like, like you're moved you know, by that, <laughs>
0: yeah but but i I I agree with you i'm I'm making a joke i do agree with you i think that people are it's very obvious why to me at least why people do that even as someone who uh had just a brush up with that kind of the i I don't know that emotional charismatic type worship style was like i I did have a brush up with it where for probably a year or two a couple years that um you know, I, I, I was into it in that way, and and then when I wasn't able to anymore, I actually was concerned, like that I was losing something. Like you know, I started to find yeah. like my identity in that to some degree. Like oh, I can, like that's how I participate in this, and and I, I, I would, I I often, I not even often, I think I almost exclusively confused my emotional experiences with spiritual experiences, Absolutely. Uh, and I would try to force them in some way. And then the, the times that it didn't work, uh, it was often maybe in my own head about it or whatever reason it didn't play out the way that I, I hoped it would, when I would go to those gatherings, I would kind of leave disappointed and feel like a bit of a failure. So like I, it, it was a strange thing to participate in, but I 100% get, um, if you're just participating in it and it's a way of life and it's not something you're trying to force or, or whatever, like just being a member in a church where uh, the message is meaningful to you and you can get caught up in that. It makes sense that that would happen. Uh, and I think it is interesting that people do knock on it when you can really just pan across the stadium of Taylor Swift fans and watch them all just melting. and,
1: and Yeah. And and, and so so today for me, like, so I haven't been to church, like a traditional church. Uh, let's see. Well, COVID was a thing. So it's been probably a year and a half. And so, um, and it's hard for me to go to church for that reason. Because I've, I, so after some Master's Commission, I actually did a church plant. Cause I got kicked out of master's commission and then I didn't do anything for like a couple of years. And then I helped with like a church plant. So I've seen all these sides of like what it is to like build a church, what it is to serve in a church, what it is to go to a church, what it is to have somebody invite me to a church and to invite other churches. I've been a part of every angle of that. And so now it's hard for me to go to church because I just see all the behind the scenes, you know, and I, I know what it takes to make up. I know the hype. I know that people are greeters on Sunday and they're just being nice to me. And I know that they want me to come back because, you know, they want everybody to come back. And I know all of that. Right. So it's, it's hard for me to go to church now because I, I know all the ins and outs, but then at the same time, I think, okay, that is for like a certain person needs that just like I needed that at some point point. And like, now I'm at a place where I need something different and I'm, and I'm investing in something different. Like I try to just like love people where they're at and just like be who I am and be really authentic. And then who I'm around, I try to be really authentic and say, Hey, you be you. Like, we're all just trying to figure it out and whatever, wherever you're at in that, just, just do it, you know? And so, um, but it's hard. Do you, do you go to church, Sam? Like a traditional church?
0: uh i don't know how you would define traditional i do go to one it has uh fluctuating number of people right now we just do it outside for this because of covid none of us really want to be indoors but um i don't know i, I don't know that there's a lot of tra- i don't know how you define a traditional church
2: but uh, yeah i do participate is it a gathering in- of people where they sing a song and then a guy talks for a long time and it sucks
1: <laughs> Casey, I, I I think you don't go to church, which is why I didn't ask you.
2: <laughs> I do not.
1: Yes, no. I don't think so. Okay.
2: <laughs> that no, that's uh, which that kind of resonates with me too. Like it's almost like you saw how the sausage was made.
1: Yeah, and to you don't some extent. Eat it now. Mm-hmm.
2: And I feel like I've got uh, part of my problem, and it's not necessarily a good thing. Is I think I I have like this really strong. Uh, disinterest in in authenticity, you know uh, and again like maybe at times it might even be irrational but when I I don't like being worked and mm-hmm. I feel like I I'm being it. I get the same feeling a lot of times from like the greeters and stuff at a church that I get when like ah, like a, a, I'm working with a sales guy and he's mm-hmm. He's working me and I, I hate that, you know, I just no, like, too. just be you. And if you don't want to say hi to me, then that's fine. But don't do this. Like, good to see you, brother. Oh boy, we are blessed to have you here for fellowship. Like yeah. not interested.
1: Yeah. So that's, that. so I know exactly what that feels like. And I, Casey, are you in sales? You're in sales, right? Yep. So you know what it is to be sold. So I'm also, so I get, I get that. And, I, and that's the part that like makes me like cringe because I'm like, boy, I see you. You're trying to sell me or whatever and I'm no. Like I, I just get done and I get turned off and I'm like I know what you're doing right now and fuck you. Like that's that immediately how I feel. So now what I do is I don't go to church. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, now what I do is I have – a community at like my house and through the hobbies I have and all this stuff. And I just try to like love people where they're at because I genuinely care about them and because I genuinely love them and because I want to be around them. And I'm like, and I find all these kind of misfits kind of organically that I'm like, Hey, do you want to come over for Christmas dinner? Hey, do you want to come over for this? Hey, we're doing this thing if you want to come over. And And I'm not trying to and I feel good about that because I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm not trying to say, hey, come here so I can then invite you to church. I'm just saying, hey, come here just because I like you. And because if you don't have anywhere to go, you can come here. And I feel like that is the church. I feel like like that is what like God wants us to be. And I feel like it's just supposed to be like this love thing. And it's like supposed to like include everybody. And it's and it's like loving. I, I still believe a lot of really specific things about what I've learned. And it's one of them is just like loving people exactly where they are and calling them to be what they, what they think they're supposed to be, you know? So it's like, Hey, I love you and I'm going to support you in whatever, whatever you want. So, um, you know, that can be all over the place sometimes, but yeah.
2: It's, it's weird how like <clears throat> you're, I don't know. You just say like your spiritual beliefs, are like this strange mix it's like a concoction of uh of faith and and community yeah and like you can't really do one without the other and like i feel like that's where i ended up was i the faith was all posturing and it took me a long time to figure that out but it was the case is like i just this is not real to me you know as it like i don't have a genuine like uh, uh, I don't have genuine conviction about these things and the community's gone. It's totally missing, you know? And then, uh, you know, when I found community elsewhere, our mutual friend is a, was a huge part of that. Yeah. Huge part. And I don't like to say nice things about him, but he was a big part of that for me. And, uh, and that's really where like, because I found community elsewhere, that was when I was finally able to, to, to be honest about my lack of conviction.
1: Yeah. Well, and I really think that like community and authenticity is what like God wants. Like, I just, I, I don't like everything that I've seen in church that's fake and Put on. It's like that doesn't bring anything. It's when somebody's like raw and humble and real and like pain, like all those things. That's like what brings like change and realness. And I, you know, as much as like my mom tearing off her wig in the middle of like this all white church, I saw something in my mom that I was like, you know, she's real though. And like to this day, if you guys know my mom, oh my gosh, she's a fucking hoot, and and she <laughs> loves her some Jesus. And she will tell you that like, nope, that's who gets me through the day. That's what does the thing. And I, and I, so I saw that growing up and I, and I, and I see it in my life today. Like, I'm like, you know, I love me some Jesus, you know, at the, at the end of the day, that's like the thing that's going to like bring me to, that's the thing that's going to like ground me. And yeah, I don't, it, and I, and I don't understand all the logistics and I don't understand all the, oh, the minutiae of it all. But I know that my faith is like real and it's here and it's like with God and I don't always get it right. And I say, fuck, and I get drunk and I don't get it all right all the time, but I'm like, but I love me some Jesus. too. So.
3: I think that's the
2: best. Yeah. I think that's really great. Like being able to, I I was having a discussion with a guy in a forum the other day and he kind of had a similar sort of outlook on it. And I really thought about like, man, that's, that's the sweet spot. Take what you need from what you got and, and, and discard the rest. Like if this, if this isn't bringing you joy and if it's not doing anything good for you, then get rid of it and keep it and focus on this. This right yeah. here is what's important,
1: you know. Yeah, and I'll say a lot of therapy is is with that too. So pastoral <laughs> I, counseling, that's the you need therapy oh, yeah.
3: after getting kidnapped—that's weird.
1: Yeah, no, I've done a, you know I've done a lot of therapy. So yeah, no, there was therapy. There was therapy there. There's a lot. There's a lot there. But no, I think oh oh I was going to tell you guys there's a book actually that Casey you're not going to read but Sam you might. Is um is a uh, how I can't remember the exact name of it, and you might have already read this. Um, but it's what the Bible really means. I think how is what the it's Bible called.
0: actually works by that, Peter Enns.
1: Yeah, did you like that? Yeah. What did you think yeah. about that? You like it?
0: Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I thought I've, it was pretty. I, I thought did. it was
1: pretty good too. I, well, I I don't know if fantastic was the word. I thought it was like good, and I thought like well yeah duh.
0: Yeah. I, right? It is it yeah, it, but it's interesting because I, a lot of people might not necessarily find a lot of that as yeah, duh. I think it was the time that I read it, it was right after it came out and it was really helpful. He's also had um I've read a couple of others a couple of his other books too. He's been one of the most uh helpful people for me uh, yeah. in processing my like my shift in understanding about
1: did Bible. you get? Did you give Casey the Cliff Notes of that one?
2: No, Casey
1: doesn't no. care. So Casey, get the Cliff Notes from. I got Sam. a general
2: idea of what it is, and it sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, words on a page
0: to Casey just sound awful. So, even, so even basically, even I'll, let me let it. me
1: sum it up, and Sam, tell me if I do a, a decent job. But basically, how the Bible actually works is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a trap. This feels like a trap.
1: This is a trap. No. But basically it's just kind of like, hey, the Bible's this book of wisdom. Don't take it so seriously. And maybe read it kind of with a grain of salt. And maybe it doesn't have everything right. And maybe that's okay. And maybe there's some tension in it. And let's just take what we can from it. Eat the meat, spit out the bones, done. Was that your take?
0: Yeah, I mean base that 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 is essentially my take. It, it's like uh I guess it's just more. It's like about understanding the the formation. Some of it's a formation of the Bible and why, you know, it it says different things at different times, and yep. it's about trajectory and how it, and why it. I guess just how it works. But yeah, I think you did a great job, kind of just summarizing it. It, it does give you the feeling that like you don't re, you don't have to like you know we all grew up with this thing that's like you would. You would pull a verse out of yes. Exodus and be like, I guess that's true. What do yeah. I do with that? And it could have been something really fucked up. And you're like, I don't really know. Oh, God said to do that. That seems really dark. And mm-hmm. it kind of was an introduction into like, it, it, it makes a shift from this is what God said to, this is what people thought God was saying and yeah. how people understood God at the time. Uh, and then you can watch that shift over time uh, over the centuries based on when books were written and and how and you even, can see the, their understanding of God change over time
1: yeah and I think even now so so I think for me now I look at things like gosh there's so many things right that I'm like you know I look at some people sometimes and go hey I don't know I don't know but I love you and I'm gonna be here for you and I love you and I think God loves you too. And I don't know any details. Like, I don't know if that's right or that's wrong. And I don't think it matters. But Apologetics I
2: know isn't your, uh, <laughs> not, not your all. focus at.
1: Not at all. That's why <laughs> Master's I Master's loved-
2: commission <laughs> university. <laughs>
1: not at all. Which, yeah, I never graduated that. That's why I loved, uh, what was her name? Bethany? Was it Bethany? Bethany? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's why I loved her so much. I was like, wow, she's like done her fucking research and she's gone this and done this and done this. And I was like, maybe I need to do that yeah (laughs) it was impressive um but yeah so i just think like if we just love people and be kind and maybe that's what we're supposed to do and maybe yeah that'll that'll change the world in some small way and build our little communities then maybe we'll make maybe we'll do something
2: absolutely i man thanks for uh Sharing your story. That's a it's it makes you wonder how many of these types of programs are around that we just don't hear much about. Or they were locally localized to some extent, or you know, there's I mean things like teen missions and yeah. all of those types of deals. I
0: or like I know
1: YWAM, like, like youth with a mission.
2: Yeah, yours sounds
0: YWAM-y a little bit in the way that it's like a constant grind.
1: Yeah, I think YWAM is an assemblies of God thing. I think um, oh, can I also tell you guys that? So after, during Master's Commission, I applied for, I think it was a YWAM missions thing. And I was going to like go to some random country. And on the application, it asked me like, do I drink alcohol? And I was like, let me be honest. Yes, I do. Like, and so <laughs> then I had this in-person interview. They're like, how often do you drink alcohol? And I was like, I don't know, one, at that time. It was one or two nights a month. Now it's a little bit different. But <laughs> at that time, it was like, I don't know, one or two nights a month. So I literally didn't get accepted into this program because I answered yes. Isn't that that's like- That's so dumb. That's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, that's so fucking dumb.
2: They were afraid like, if they just... sent you to Mongolia, you were just going to guzzle fermented horse yeah, milk. And... and it's
1: like, man, how many how many people got shut down- or shunned or felt shameful because it's like they answered honestly and you stopped them from like doing a thing that they really wanted to do because like for me that that was pretty heartbreaking and yeah I, and even like I had been in contact with the guy who I was gonna like the family who I was gonna like move with it was in Georgia the country and um and it was like such a big deal and I was like oh I didn't get accepted and it was like because I answered yes because I drank. like that's dumb
0: they need to take a move from the Baptists, the Southern Baptists, and just make you sign something saying that you won't anymore. I won't know?
1: anymore. I know. Well, that, <laughs> that's exactly actually what I said in the in person interview. I was like, but I won't while I'm there. Like, but I but I do currently, but I'm fine with not. Like that's fine. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Well, you
2: know, when you uh when you find sin, you gotta jerk it up by yeah, the root. That's you what do, I say. You
1: do. Okay, let me – I'm looking at my notes, y'all, because I was
2: – Can I just mention that uh, Lloyd Ziegler looks like Woody Harrelson if he hadn't a bashed his nose into a wall or whatever he did? Wait,
1: can you click on your thing so it doesn't make it so white? We can't, oh, there it goes. There he there is. There it is. Okay. Doesn't <laughs> it look like Woody Harrelson?
3: No.
1: <laughs> so I, I was looking through my yearbook, my master's commission yearbook two nights ago, kind of prepping. I was trying to remember like all the weird shit. There was a lot of weird shit that I wrote down, but, um, one of the things I found was like top 10 things not to do your first year. And so it was like, number 10 was like, think for yourself. Oh, (laughs) yeah. That's a little on the nose. Yeah. Number nine, have anything to do with people. Number eight, ride on the elevator, which I don't know why that was a thing, but, Number seven, think you know about anything about your future. Number six, be in the same room with the opposite sex. Number seven, look at the opposite sex. Uh, Oh, wait. Number seven, six, five. Um, number four, sit with the opposite sex. Number three, look at the opposite sex for longer than 2.5 seconds. Number two, what? stand under a mistletoe. And number one, speak in tongues, as in, like, make out with people, like – so, Speaking
3: tongues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Is,
2: is mistletoe just like scattered over every doorway in I East know,
1: Texas? Right? Or... I know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um oh my Yeah. God. So it's just it's funny, but oh yeah, we didn't even talk about mission trips, but it's okay. That's not that. Funny.
2: <laughs> Man, uh, it's food for, or seed for our uh, return visit.
1: Yeah. You don't, yeah. I only do that, but. Um, I would be curious to see. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of podcasts too, that have all these like negative takes about master's commission. I feel like mine's, mine's not that negative, but there's a lot of people with, like I said, a lot of trauma, which is totally valid. And, um, I will say that today I still talk with my like people, the girls that were in my first year class with me, we're still, because of our experience, we're still like friends. Like I know I could call any of them today and be like, Hey, I need this or, Hey, I'm going through this. And they would like, just drop everything. Like we're, we're still like friends today. So I am really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for the relationships that came out of that. And we're all like today questioning, like, what is faith? Like some of them, it's funny. Cause some of them are pastors, wives, some of them are pastors. And then some of them are people like me who just like party and have fun all the time. And so we're all just kind of like wrestling, like with like, what is faith now? What does that look like? We're kind of reframing it all, you know, kind of like we're doing right now. And like, I don't know what this is and I don't really have it all figured out. And maybe there's space for more. And maybe we just kind of look at it really humbly and go, Hey, I just don't know. And that's okay.
2: It's like the value of it is not dependent upon you knowing every minute detail about it.
1: yeah and the more and more i feel like i know less i'm like i'm kind of okay with that i'm just okay with like loving people and that's it and that's not my job to do anything else it's just to love people so it was such a delight to talk to you guys i feel like i just want you guys to know that during the podcast i'll talk back to you but you don't know because it's a (laughs) podcast and i'll be like oh my gosh yes that oh i totally get it so, just scream
2: it. at your radio, like stop interrupting <laughs> each other.
1: I do, I do. I'll say that, and I'll be like, I'll be like, yeah, I totally had that same experience. Which I can't think of any right now, but um, yeah. So I love, I love that y'all have created this little community and this space where people can just like share their stories, and and you don't realize like how similar stories are. Like I can't remember something. I was, I can't remember which one of you guys said it, but I was like, oh my gosh, y'all did that there we did that in Texas. And I was like, what? This was a thing everywhere, all over the nation. And, um, yeah, it was just a weird Christianity. And then in the, in what is it? The nineties, two thousands.
0: Yep. Yeah. All that throughout. Was,
1: all throughout. Yeah. Good era. So good, great era. So, um, yeah, that's all. Well,
2: thanks again for coming on. <laughs> it was a ton of fun. It was. And, uh, yeah uh thank you guys for listening uh remember we got the uh, discord you can find links in any of our social media and if you're enjoying the podcast we would really appreciate it if you'd share it with a friend and leave us a five-star review on the platform of your choice so thanks a lot and we will talk to you next time